Hello, folks. Welcome back to this episode of Raising Daughters. Dr. Tim Jordan here, a developmental and behavioral pediatrician. And I come to you every two weeks with a podcast, every, every two weeks with a blog. They alternate. And today I decided to talk about video games and aggression. And the reason is a brand new article came out this week from the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences looking at the question of whether or not video games causes aggression in kids. I personally am not a gamer, have never been a gamer. I decided years ago not to start because I figured I'd become addicted. But I also know that a lot of kids today are gamers, especially boys, although girls are kind of catching up. Now let me give you a couple of statistics to give you a sense of how many kids actually are playing video games today. Uh, there's a Pew uh, Research Center study that came out this year in 2018 that said that overall about 84% of teenagers say they have or have access to a game console at their home. And 90% of kids overall say they play video games of any kind, whether that's on a computer or a game console or through their cell phone or those kind of devices. Uh, the number of people who have or have access to gaming consoles, females 75%, males 92%. How many kids today actually play video games? Females, 75%. Males, 97%. 97% of boys play video games. The number of women and girls who are playing uh, video games has gone up. Now it's about 45% of all gamers in the U.S. It's also interesting to note that in 2014, they estimated that 1.8 billion gamers worldwide would be here in 2018. And that's about 25% of the world population. 25% of world population plays video games. In actuality, uh, in, in a study done through NewZoo on 4-30-18, they found that 2.3 billion gamers uh, are across the globe today. That's about 30% of the world population, so it's actually more than they estimated. And that those 2.3 billion gamers will spend about $137.9 billion by 2018. Let me give you just a couple of quick stats about how much global games marketers are earning. 2012, it was $70.6 billion. In two, uh, 2015, it was $93 billion. And they estimate by the year of 2021, it'll be over $180 billion. That's a lot of money people are spending on video games. Let me throw a quick hedge or caveat in here. To remind us that all throughout history, adults have worried about their kids' fascination with all the newfangled entertainment and technologies, things like dime novels and, and comic strips and comic books and the radio when it came, and then rock and roll music and, and the television sets that came into our homes in the 50s, the internet, video games, the iPhone, iPads, social media. I read a really fun book called Hamlet's Blackberry a year or two ago about that. And you ought to read that. It's called Hamlet's Blackberry. So general uh, parental dread of, of what kids are doing when they're out of sight has been there throughout history. Let me read you a quote from 1931 about uh, a writers uh, from the Washington Post, their concerns about the radio and its effect on kids. Here's a, here it goes. This is a quote. The radio seems to find parents more helpless than did the funnies, the automobile, the movies, and earlier invaders of the home, because it cannot be locked out or the children locked in. 
That was, that was written by Sidoni Grunberg. She was the director of the Child Study Association of America. In 1931, she added that the biggest worry that the radio gave parents was how it interfered with other interests, conversation, music practice, group games, and reading. You could take out the radio part and the date, and that would be pretty much verbatim what, what parents are saying today about social media and the internet and phones and pads. So this new 2018 study from the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, these researchers divided, uh, found that many people were divided about the question of whether or not uh, video games uh, makes kids more violent. Most people in their writings over the years have thought that video games did create more aggressive behavior in kids and boys. The new study followed kids for up to three to four years, three months to four years to see if any of the effects would persist. So what this new study actually did was they studied previous studies. They studied previous studies and they found the ones that were good and then they decided this, that violent video game play was linked to increases in physical aggression over time among teenagers, even after adjusting for covariates like prior aggression. They also found that ethnicity was a statistically significant moderator for the effects, with the largest effect observed among white kids, an intermediate effect among Asians, and a non-significant effect among his, among, amongst Hispanics. And it's interesting that the most notable critic of the violent video game aggression literature did their studies in primarily Hispanic populations, and they found no evidence of this association of video games and violence. But... But when you look at the studies overall, they found that that, that, would, that would make sense, right? That there is less effect amongst, amongst Hispanic populations. Let me give, tell, me, tell you about a video game, or I'm sorry, a video I saw about uh, six or seven years ago at a conference. Uh, David Walsh was giving a talk about teenagers and video games and things. And he showed a video of these little preschool kids. And they were in a preschool and, and they were watching TV. All their parents were behind a two-way mirror so that the parents could see the kids, the kids could not see their parents. These are, I think, four- and five-year-olds. And at first, they were watching a Barney video, and the kids were sitting there kind of watching it kind of quietly, and a couple of the boys were sort of getting a little bit antsy, and they were you know, doing some somersaults and things. And then they switched the video from Barney, uh, from Barney to Power Rangers. And within just a few moments, the kids started, started getting very active and aggressive. The boys were jumping up and they were punching each other and wrestling and kicking and play fighting and, and doing play karate, just like they had seen in the video. And I remember distinctly, one mom behind the glass was saying, oh, my poor daughter, she's so quiet and she's so meek. She would never behave like that. And then right as she was saying those words, her daughter stood up and started kicking this other kid. So that's, that was interesting to me. I'll never forget that. So even within a few moments of watching a more violent video game, or I'm sorry, a, a more violent video, preschoolers started becoming more aggressive. So the gist of that article was that if you take all the studies combined, that they did find that there was a link between watching video games and increased aggressive behavior. Now, does that mean that we should not let our kids watch any video games? I don't think so. I, and I also don't think we, need, we should always just blame the technologies. Just like I don't blame technology for relationship aggression in girls. 
you know, drama and all that kind of stuff, because that stuff started before. Drama and cliques and mean girl things, those are things that have happened for, you know, hundreds of years. And they happened and they started school. And the devices have just sort of added another layer to that. I think the same could probably be said for video games. Here's what I look for, and this is what I tell kids and their parents. I think if, if a kid or a teenager is spending enough time on their schoolwork so that they can get reasonable grades, if they're spending some time outdoors, if they're spending some time with their friends in person, not just online, if they're doing some time, uh, uh, doing, or spending some time doing something physical, either playing a sport or exercising in some way, if they're spending enough time with their family so the relationships all feel pretty tight. I think if that is present, then parents have less of a need to micromanage any of, of their teenagers' technologies. And that includes video games. So if your kid is doing fine socially, emotionally, academically, etc., if they're doing fine, then I don't think watching an hour of video games is going to cause a big uh, issue with that kid. That's what I have seen over the years. On the other hand, if you've got a boy who's spending six or eight hours a day in the room playing video games, and there are a lot of violent video games, and their kid is overweight and kind of pasty white, and they have no social life, and they don't spend time outside of school with, with their friends, if they're kind of depressed, those kids are asking their parents to step in and, and start managing their video games, and I think their parents should. So I look for balance. So overall, if a kid's doing okay, and their relationships are okay, and they're doing well socially, emotionally, psychologically, academically, then I don't think the video games, watching video games or playing video games, excuse me, is going to have a huge effect on that kind of kid. I also think it's important that we, that we think about the rating system. I've, I've read several studies about whether or not you can trust the, the, syst, you know, the, the rating systems. The biggest one is called ESRB, Entertainment Software Rating Board. And it was created by the gaming industry itself in 1994 to self-regulate. When video games, especially the game Mortal Kombat, came under harsh criticism from the government for containing too much sex, too much violence. And while the ESRB employees evaluating the games don't actually play most of the games, they look at some little pieces of footage, they go over a questionnaire from the publisher, they look at the packaging, they might read some of the scripts, but they don't usually actually watch or play the video games. That, to me, is disturbing. So I wouldn't base your judgment about, is this video game okay for my kid, based upon the ESRB rating. One of the best resources for doing more research on, research on video games is called Common Sense Media. And their reviews can be filtered by age, genre, gaming platform, which particular skills a game uses, and more. So I would look at, at a site like Common Sense Media, and there are others, I'm sure, as well. I would look at reviews on those games. I would talk to other parents who have kids who might have those games. Remember that the age ratings on those, on those boxes are just a guideline, and that looking at the content descriptors and the objectionable content list on things like Common Sense Media is more important, because you know best what your kid can handle and what they can't, and their level of maturity. I also would, would very strongly encourage you to not have TV sets and video game playing in their bedrooms much less computers and all that, because it's really hard to monitor. I think they're going to be playing video games that should be in a common area, just like the computer should be in a common area in the home, so it's easier, easy to walk by, to monitor, etc. 
Anecdotally speaking, I've also met several people over the last five years who are big players in the industry of, of video games, uh, gaming, wireless networks, technology companies. And it's interesting that these guys who are either the owners of these companies or the CEOs of large, important companies that put out these products, they don't allow their kids access to these devices so they're at least in high school because they are well aware of the addictive nature of these devices and of social media and video games. I think it's fascinating. I've been in groups of these of dads. I've done a lot of father-daughter, father-son retreats in the last 15 years. And some of these dads will stand up and say, I know you guys are worried, and you should be. I, I'm in the business. I create some of these things. I do not let my kids play these games. So you might want to take that as good advice. I was talking with my good friend Dave uh, recently, and, we're, and he, we were talking about this subject, and he brought the, the factor of, of absent dads, what the effect that might be. So I went and looked at, at the literature, the most recent literature I could find, which is in the last few years, about what are the effects of having an absent father in the home. And it's very sobering. Let me read you off, read you off a partial list of the effects of not having a dad present in the home whether by death or whether by being in, in jail or whether by divorce. Here's some of the effects. Diminished self-esteem and self-concept. More behavior problems. Uh, higher levels of truancy and lower levels of academic performance. And one, one statistic that jumped out was that 71% of high school dropouts are fatherless. If there's no dad in the home, there's a higher level of delinquency and violent crimes. There's a much higher level of mental health disorders, especially anxiety, depression, and suicide. And these effects are more pronounced if the dad's absence occurs during early childhood, more so than during middle childhood. And it's more pronounced for boys than it is for girls. And that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? So with this information in hand and in mind, I think a couple things you might want to take away from this podcast. First of all, I think kids, and this is true for any kind of device, not just video games, they should be able to earn the right to have that level of technology. Whether you're talking about computers, phones, pads, uh, social media, or being able to play video games. And they should earn it with their behavior over time. I've mentioned this in some previous blogs and podcasts, but I want to just kind of remind you of that again today. Earning it is, is showing you with their behavior with other things that they have the level of maturity, responsibility, and impulse control to be able to handle devices like video games. And so, that, again, it wouldn't be like they've been, they've been quote-unquote, responsible for two days. This is like weeks and months of good responsible behavior. Once they've earned the right to try something like video games, then I would sit down and have an education session where you would talk about what's okay and what's not. You would look at video games. You talk about their ratings. You talk about the effects. You talk about the effects uh, on kids socially, emotionally, uh, the addiction issue. I would educate them and yourself about the whole issue of video games. And then I would have a nice give and take discussion where you create agreements with your son or daughter about when they can play video games, how frequently, how often, how long. Um, also, what video games, I get very clear about what's okay and what's not. I'd make sure that they are in agreement with that. And once the agreement is made and they start playing them, then I would make sure that I monitor. Because a lot of parents don't follow through with that part. 
They might do an okay job of setting up agreements, but a lot of parents get get lazy or they just start to forget or they get busy and then the kids start to play way more video games than the parents are aware of. So I would monitor. I'd make sure that they are complying with whatever agreements you made. And then if they start to abuse the agreements, then I would follow through with, with your agreement. So for instance, if the agreement is that the video games get turned off at 8 o'clock in the evening, that would be no matter what. And I would even let them know ahead of time, if it's 8 o'clock and you're halfway through level 6 and you're like, oh my God, i got to get to level 7, that's not an excuse for being on the video game console at 8.20. So I would, I would stick with your agreements. And I would follow through. And if they, if they make a mistake, I would sit down. I'd re, rehash the agreements. I'd talk about why they think that they uh, made a mistake and they, and they didn't comply. I would reset the agreement, and then I would give them one more chance. And if they make another mistake, <clears throat> excuse me, another mistake by being watching the wrong video game or playing the wrong video game or being on it too long, then they would lose the privilege for a long time, weeks, months, until they can prove to you in some other ways that they've gotten the message, that they have heightened their level of awareness and maturity and impulse control, responsible behavior, decision-making. They have to show you in some other ways that they got it. There are a lot of factors that go into the effects of video games on kids. And the, the, the uh, review study I mentioned earlier took that into account. Things like previous levels of aggression, etc. And what they have found is that playing video games does cause increases in aggression in kids, especially boys. So I would keep that in mind when your kids are clamoring for being able to play video games. I'd be very careful about what they play. I wouldn't trust the, the ESRB ratings alone. I would be very clear about boundaries around uh, what video games, when, how often, how long, etc. I would be really good about following through with that. I would have a discussion about the need for balance in their life and what you're going to be looking for that would tell them that you are the kind of kid who, who, who is uh, able to play video games and not vulnerable. Um, and I think with that in mind, if they... If the ball is in their court as far as creating balance with schoolwork and, and social life and, and exercise and family time, etc., the ball's in their court. They can show you that they've got their act together and therefore deserve the right to play video games. Don't base your decisions on what everybody else is doing. Don't base your decisions on, but my kids like it. Uh, I would watch, those vi or watch and or play those video games or watch your kids playing video games so you actually see what's going on in them. And you'll be able to tell pretty quickly, is this appropriate for my kid or not? Is my kid ready for this or not? And I would make some hard decisions and I would be willing to say no. It's okay to say no. Lastly, I don't want to over, over, overly blame video games for kids' problems, for kids' depression, for kids' anxiety, for kids' lack of a social life, etc. I think they're just part of an issue. They're just a symptom of the issue. They're just one more place where the issue kind of rears its head. I don't blame it, but it is a factor. And just like uh, girls who I work with a lot who are addicted to their phones and social media and who are having lots of problems because of it, the problem is not just the social media, but it's something that you can control. 
And when you remove that part of, of, of their life, a lot of times kids settle down. Nobody knows your kid better than you. Nobody knows their readiness for things better than you do. Uh, also, make sure that you're talking a lot about that balancing piece. And make some tough choices and decisions with your kids and make some really good, clear agreements. And I think you'll, you'll avoid the problems. Uh, thanks for dropping by every two weeks for these podcasts. If you enjoy them, if you get something out of them, please refer them on to your friends. Uh, tell your friends to go on my website at drtimjordan.com. And I think a lot of you have probably done this already, but you click on that little link. And then every week it just comes to your email f- for free. Uh, so you don't have to think about it. It just kind of pops up. And you go, oh, yeah, here's that podcast. And I try and keep them fairly short so there's not too much of a dent on your day. If you have suggestions about more topics for me to cover, please send me an email at drtim at drtimjordan.com. I really appreciate you listening in. I hope it's helpful, and I'll see you back here for a podcast in two weeks. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.